Yes! Over the line! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I want winners. I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. And here are your hosts, RJ Young and Brandon Drum. Okay, so we're recording this on the day that the 2021 rankings have been released by 24-7, the top 247. You should check out a couple of stories that we have up on OUNsider.com because there have been some moving and shaking, particularly with one Brock Vandegrift. He moved up 13 spots. I know that's going to piss off some people because he's not the number one <laughs> overall guy. But hey, We're man. top 10. Yeah, well, I mean, he's moving along. And yep. Brandon and I are going to touch on a little bit, but we're also going to touch on the champion barbecue. We're going to do a little bit of talking about the upcoming preseason camp and what we expect from it. But Brandon, do you have anything that you want to say about the 2021 rankings? Oh, are you trying to do this right now? No, I just, I just, <laughs> I, we, we have, we just got off the air talking about this. No, we're just, Hey, look, you could have, you could have taken that anywhere you wanted to go. You could have just said, Hey, I think that it's, kind of ridiculous that Quentin Somerville dropped 21 spots to 39. You could have said that it's ridiculous that yeah. Cody Jackson dropped a spot to 54. You could say it's actually kind of cool that Ethan Downs is in the top 100 and, by the way, 32 spots ahead of Kendrick Blackshear. So, where do you want to take it? Well, okay. So, first off, I want to say, look, I think 247 does the best jobs of evaling um, as far as overall with what we do. Um, we aren't allowed to eval anything that we haven't had our own eyes on. So, say Brock, for example, Brock Vandergriff, um, I couldn't have wrote an eval in on him had I not seen him in person at the OU Elite Camp in, uh, down there in the Southeast previously this year, earlier this year. So, having said that, I, uh, Think that he's probably a top 10 guy, as we were talking about off air. But I also understand that the rankings are fluid and that it's probably going to change. And even in the write-up that Barton Simmons wrote, and he and I have already discussed this in a lengthy email chain about how the ranking worked and why they did this and that and, and so on and so forth. And I, I'm going to let him, like, he, he is going to address it on our board later on the VIP board later, he said, um, if it does get to where people are questioning the rankings, then I respect the hell out of that because he's owning the fact that he knows that people are going to disagree because of other outlet rankings. And it, the discrepancy between it is it's 21 spots. Now, if it was top 10, I don't think anybody would have anything to say about it. But um, fact of the matter is, is still at 22, you're looking at a five-star. So, and that, that's good in general, obviously. Um, the other thing is the fact that um, Ethan Downs, so I think he's at least a top 75 guy in the country, and I think you agree with me on that, obviously. Uh, we've both seen him. <laughs> we've seen him just tear people to shreds. Um, and he, he basically stopped the OU elite camp and where Riley walked over and called all the coaches and said, Hey, uh, Grinch and I are going to offer him. Like I overheard the conversation. So, cause I was standing right there. Uh, cause it was like literally like 10 feet away from where they were doing the drill. And, um, so all that being said, he has, he was two forty three at Texas camp, ran a four, six, eight. 
He's a 4-3-4 shuttle guy. He is a uh, defensive MVP at the San Antonio Combine. He was top five at the opening regionals in Dallas as a junior. Not even a junior, basically a sophomore heading into his junior year. So to me, that warrants top 75. But obviously, we know it is hard for OK Preps to kind of get and we've we've harped on this before, RJ. You and I have both gone on this rant. Okay, Preps doesn't get what it deserves. And Gabe Brooks and I talked about this yesterday. Literally, we had like a three-hour conversation through text message yesterday about how it really doesn't get its due. And he understands how good it is. So basically, he and I push for Oklahoma as hard as we possibly can because we were delegated as the basic Basically, we're the people that are supposed to do all the evals for Oklahoma. And I help out with Texas and Arkansas and other crap, too. Uh, obviously, with uh, Brian Peroni, Mike Roach, uh, obviously, Gabe Brooks. Basically, we're, we're the guys that do all the evals for Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Kansas, because we have to. It, it's got to be a teamwork kind of deal. Um and it's, it's, it's long long and lengthy. Like, I have to send in a bunch of evals. A lot. And um, sometimes they get heard, sometimes they don't. Uh, I think one thing you're going to see, though, coming in the next rankings, is you're going to see A.J. Green, Colin Oliver, Ethan Downs, and uh, Kendall Daniels get massive boosts. And uh, it's going to be because there's going to be games that have been played. Going, their junior year games are going to be played. And you're going to get to see these guys – Really get about, and these guys are. If they, if you were going to say today, where were they going to pick? Almost everybody would say they're going to pick the University of Oklahoma. So you want them to get um, these bumps. Now, obviously, Colin Oliver hasn't been offered yet. I think he will be an offer guy later on. Uh, he deserves it. He's that good. Uh, he was so close at the OU Elite Camp from getting an offer. And he really showed out and really impressed Oklahoma. Now they just want to see him do a couple things his junior year, and I think he's going to get that offer. And that's that's good news for Colin, um, and it's good news for Oklahoma because he's a really good player. The fact of the matter that Oklahoma has really good defenders in their backyard, it's kind of like 2017 where they really don't have to go that far to really boost their class up. Um, so it's things are looking better for Oklahoma in recruiting. Going for 2022, as you know, uh, is loaded. And Gentry Williams is OU is by far the leader for, and he's going to be a five star, folks. Gentry Williams out of Booker T, 2022 athlete out of Booker T, Washington, will be a five star. Marion Horn will be a high four star guy. Uh, then you got another move in in Mustang from Naples, Florida, by the name of Andre Dollar, six foot five, 225 pound tight end. That already had two offers coming in. South Carolina is close to offering. And I think Georgia is another that's really pushing to possibly offer Dollar really soon. He just moved in from Naples. His dad is now the defensive coordinator. We wrote about him on OU Insider VIP board. Um, his his little brother actually plays with my son on the same Little League team. And that's kind of how I bumped in and found him. It was really weird because they just moved in like three weeks before all that happened when I finally met him. So there is a lot of talent coming in and through the state of Oklahoma, 2021, 2022, and 2023. As RJ has talked about up in Tulsa on the Sports Animal, 
it's loaded. I mean, those classes are loaded. Um, you also have uh, linemen, man, out of Deer Creek. Uh, I just went blank because I just talked to him yesterday. He just picked up a Kansas offer. Oh, my gosh, he's a 2022 offensive tackle. Oh, you will probably offer this kid. He's really good. Um, six foot five, two hundred seventy-five pounds. And I just went blank. RJ, do you know what I'm talking about? I just no, went blank. I just this I, is ridiculous. I am I'm getting pregnant mad with my own opinions over here. <laughs> okay, so I'm done ranting. RJ, go. I don't want to be the person to to pour water on the fire all the time, but I feel like that's just the role in this podcast. I don't actually give a good damn. About what Sexton other people think. Name, by the way. What other people think these kids are rated. I've seen them. I know who can play. I know who can't play. As a matter of fact, there's a good question on the board that we need to address, which is, hey, what is the criteria for being an evaluator for these rankings? Well, number one is they ask you to participate, right? Two yep. is you work at 247. You get paid to watch a lot of high school football and a lot of college football. But can we say that you need to be a coach? No. Do you need to have played the game? No. Do you need to be willing to sit there and watch a bunch of huddle film and then go out and do the evaluations and make the road trips and do all that other stuff? Yes. So if you can get a job at 247, go right ahead, man, and have a say in these rankings. But, you know, I talk about the rankings because they matter to you. And they certainly matter to Brandon because I was just yelling at him before we did this podcast about how much it doesn't matter to argue about these things. They're going to happen. They're not going to happen. People are going to get offered. They're not going to get offered. And yes, we can look at the rankings and say enough people think that this dude is good. That's why this other person should probably rate this other person higher. But that said... Subjective. You're it's, right. It's all subjective. Yeah, but that said, Barton works hard at his job. You work oh, hard yeah, at your does. job. He's the best. I work hard at my job. I don't have to agree with the rankings. I don't have to disagree with the rankings. I can have my own opinions just like everybody else. The problem that we run into is... As people are want to say, I have a microphone. Yeah, okay. Go get a microphone. And you do it. And you re-rank them. You go right ahead. It's more difficult than you think. You're going to disagree about who's at the top uh, because you always yeah. disagree about who's at the top. And yep. once you get out of the top 30, honestly, it gets really hard because yeah, you have film on some. You don't have film on others. And then when you look up, you see Quentin Somerville has dropped 21 spots and you're going, how the hell did that happen? Well, you just yeah. like other kids more than you like some kids come one evaluation period to the next. And as we're going into a dead period, I really don't care because I want to talk about football. I want to talk yeah. about what's actually happened as opposed to watching a kid go work out, which is fun, which I enjoy, which is part of the job. But I'm here because I want to watch college football. Can we talk about college football? Can we do yeah, that? Real quick, though. Real quick. The, what, did you see how many state of Washington are really telling you? Like, that is nuts. I just realized that last night. I have never seen that state put out talent like that. Ever. Ever. That Pause right nuts. quick. Pause. Okay. Nothing. We're good. Uh Continue with your rant about Washington, please. I asked you to pause for just a second because I need to answer a question. I'm having work done at my crib. Okay. So, yeah, that I've never seen that. It's just crazy. Like, I've never noticed. I know that state has had some talent come through, but dude, that state, dude, the Washington Huskies, if they load up on that, my goodness, because it's a quarterback, it's the number one quarterback in the country, according to 247. It's the top. It's number Brock Heward's kid, Sam Heward, for you, those of you that don't yeah. know. Well, no, is it Brock or is it his brother's kid? 
Oh yeah, that's right. It's a Heward. Yeah, I, I, you know. They're good at quarterback. I mean, it's it's, do, it's like quarterbacks. It's like putting out a Tuiasa Sopo. You know, it's yeah, just pretty much or Manning. Basically, they all just come out. Hey, Eli's trash. It's too super. I'm not getting into that. Go um, right ahead. Trash. Okay. Trash. Um, Garbage. Hitting nerves. Hitting nerves. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, no, but really, like. Do you see where I'm coming from? That, that's crazy. That, that's no, the, but, but how often does it happen? You know, that's the other part. Like, we talk about kids coming from this place or that place, and we talk about how kids should be playing at home. How do you let a kid leave the state? Look, man, if Washington can load up on all the kids from the state of Washington, good for them. But you know who they got to compete with? They got to compete with Washington State. They got to compete with Oregon. Oregon. All the kids that might have actually grown up looking at USC – I mean, they're on the West Coast, so it's not a slam dunk, just as it's not a slam dunk for Andrew Rame, who eventually recommitted to Oklahoma. I mean, yeah. just, you got to work at it, and that's I don't really get caught up in the rankings and who's coming from where because everything that I know about is, look, the kids that you're supposed to get are the kids you'll get. It's really about relationships. I understand that you believe that Gentry Williams has OU as the leader. I have the Olympics as the leader for Gentry Williams. Because he actually told me. I know what he told you because I read it on Insider. All right? I'm yeah. also telling you that I'm a track guy. And I spent the weekend watching the world, uh, excuse me, the U.S. championships, and I watched the world championships. And I also know that having a freshman in high school run 4770 is not regular. That dude has no. options. And somebody that is a track coach is going to present that option to him. And you know what you don't have to do in track and field? Get hit in the head. Okay? You know what else you don't have to do? Get hit by anybody. You literally yeah. just run. That's it. All and that that's dude, not what he wants to do, though. Well, we'll I mean, see. He's a true freshman. I mean, it's rising sophomore. He's going to be a sophomore this year. We'll see. I'm not prepared yeah. to put that dude going to any school. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong, and I'm not saying that he didn't tell you the truth. I am saying that as a person who's watched kids that have an opportunity to run track and play football, what happened to DeBrian Blanton? Uh, he ended up running track. Okay. All right. But Jawan Wink, Jawan Rankins. Yeah, they, and you could also say Marquise Goodwin. But I'm telling you yeah. that there are more kids that would choose to run track than play football. Xavier Carter, you remember him? Yeah, that yeah. dude tried to play football. Didn't work out. Remember Justin Gatlin? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying that let's let's just let's let's pump the brakes no, on what we think a, a rising sophomore is going to do. That's all. I don't. Yeah, it's a fair point. I would say because of just his family background with the university, I would lend that that that's probably why I lean more towards. The football aspect of it, just because that is like in their blood. What's really going to chap you is if he comes to Oklahoma to run track and doesn't play football. No, actually, it wouldn't chap me. I think it'd be pretty cool. He'd be the best track person they probably had in forever. Uh, ooh, <laughs> ouch, yo, hey, hey, hey. Just, just, you don't think so? No, you need to go and look at. You need to go look at some of the dudes that they brought in here in the last five, ten years. Okay, well okay? That, that's that's fair. I just, um, I, I that's that's a word. I mean, that's a thing that was spoken by a person who hasn't been following track as closely as they follow football, and I understand sure. that. It's not a dig. I'm just saying that I do, right? And that's why I'm pushing back. No, that's fair. Okay, I, I don't, all right. I, I mean, I just, as far as I've ever seen, Oklahoma has struggled somewhat in track as of late. So, 
I haven't seen them really. Texas Tech, on the other hand, has been very dominant. Well, that's also because they happen to, I mean, we say they happen. Look, anybody that can land Gil Roberts is going to be good, which is the other reason yeah. why I keep saying Gentry Williams has opportunities. Gil, man, I came up with Gil, all right? And Gil was running 46 as in the 400, which is Gentry's race as a senior. He Gentry is Gentry's within sh- spitting distance of that speed next year. Yeah. And, and Gil had every opportunity to make the Olympic team, all right? That dude could fly. And I'm just saying that, you know, if you got options, and as much as I love football, if you got options to do something else that doesn't require you to get hit in the head and you probably make as much money, go do the other thing. Do they make as much? They do if you're Gentry Williams. <laughs> Not like, okay. uh, Look, if you're LaShawn Merritt running the 400 meters – you're going to make more winning championships than you are going to be as a special teams guy that's told, hey, you're really fast. Go run down there and hit somebody. I got gotcha. you. So, no, I mean, but to get off of the 2022 kids, uh, because. Yeah, no, that, that was just kind of a barbecue talk. Well, and, and that's that was where I wanted to go. I wanted to go yeah, into kind of me getting 10 commits onto, onto campus yeah. for um, the champion barbecue. People need to relax. Everybody's like, this is a failure. There wasn't any commitments. Who said it was a failure? I've seen it all over Twitter, man. It would, it's Twitter. Yeah, but I mean... In the words like, of Mike Gundy, who gives a, who gives a rats about Twitter? I, they, look, it, it's still... There's a there's a segment of the population of the OU fan base, and there's been people on, on the our board that have said they thought it was a failure. Yeah, I... So... I, I just... I mean, I, allow me just a second. As a guy who gets routinely dragged on Twitter and Facebook who has a radio show, tough. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, I, maybe it's that, right? That I've had this show for about two months now. And one of the things that I've just had to learn is it ain't for everybody. And the people who like it absolutely like it. And the people who don't absolutely don't. And if I'm really yelling and, and complaining about the Champ U barbecue, what, what kind of life am I living if that's what I have to complain about? Um, they're fans. They're, what, they're okay, cool. It's not a game. Problem. It's an unofficial. It's a family reunion. It's a Basically. good time. Yeah, but but there has been a commit for two or three at every one. So this year not having it is kind of an See, anomaly. See, the, these are the people that make me want Oklahoma to have seven losses. <laughs> like, like, I just think, you know, hey, hit them over the head with something that really hurts. That's all. You know, as a dude that that loves the team and likes and likes to really talk about how great OU football is, those people drive me up a wall. And yep. yet, I don't want to wish ill will on people that are actually doing it right, who just kind of like, hey man, let Lincoln do his thing. Uh, even RJ shut up about the 2020 quarterback because I get caught up in that too because I think it's bizarre. But even that, I'm going, you know what, you got a point. You really do. Because at the end of the day, Lincoln Riley's lost what? Three games, four games, four, four games. games. Yeah, he's one twenty-four. A charmed existence for the person who is yelling and complaining about eyes in a, a set of friggin' emojis on Twitter. Yeah, you know. So I anyway, I just I wanted to, I want to I wanted to dunk on that person guess, for two minutes. Yeah, no, and that's that's a fair dump, I guess, if you will. Uh, I guess my point is the barbecue wasn't so much. Everybody's like, well, they weren't. Look, people, it was for 2021 and 2022 more than it was for 2020 because there was only a select few 2020 kids that were there that were uncommitted. And you had the Jonah Monheims of the world, the 
Noah Renzes of the world and stuff like that. And obviously, and, and the other big deal was, oh, Jason McClellan backed out last minute. He got sick. And his mom had to come on OUinsider.com and set people straight, which I thought was awesome. Um, and she's been a member of the board. She's just been back there watching for several years and just got fed up with it. And she DM'd me and said, hey, I'm going on the board. I thought, oh, all right. So and she got after it. Good for her. Because um, it was pretty cool to watch her really set people in their place. Um, and the other thing was is the 2021 kids, the foundation that was laid, they have a chance to have a special class in 2021. And it all kind of starts with, uh, obviously, Brock Vandergriff not being there. But if you can land an Ethan Downs, you can get uh, uh, Kendall Daniels and A.J. Green, a, who wasn't there, obviously. Uh, but you can start getting those in-state kids to hop on board. And then, obviously, the Kendrick Blackshires of the world, the uh, – the, what are the Smith, the Clayton Smiths of the world and stuff like that to start dropping, dropping in and getting committed. And Oklahoma made significant jumps with all those guys. And then you got the 2022 guys. I mean, that's what it was for. It was for foundation laying. It was for just a, you know. Have uh, we not been shouting this though? Yes. I, and I, I don't mean like this year. I mean like for the last two years. Like yes, it's if, been basically what we've been saying. If that everybody you, ha- if you really craziness. believe that you should be getting commitments at a unofficial recruiting event to end the quiet period in july your staff has not been working for the first seven months of the cycle and that's bad all right if you're landing two three four commits it's because you didn't have them to begin with because when you got 15 kids and a class is probably going to cap around 23 we're thinking yeah 23 yeah yeah maybe 25 if you get the right kids right but outside of that you're done you know, you you have eight spots left, and you're not even sure if you're gonna fill them all. Like that's yep. ridiculous to think that you're gonna go in there going, "Hey, we had this for 2020 kids that we want to get." And I know all of you want to load up on defensive tackles and defensive ends, but have you looked at the depth chart? Because yeah, there's a lot. You got Redmond, Wete, Jackson, Uguebu. I can keep going here. Hicks, Roberson, Man. Perkins, Troy James. I mean, there's Famatal. What do you want? Do you want 97 defensive players? Is that what it is? Because defensive, pl- you have defensive talent. We th- th- that's that's the thing. Like, what do you what are you thinking you're gonna get here? I mean, Brendan yeah. Walker's in this class. Like, you, you got an edge guy. All right, you got an outstanding edge guy. Yeah, you know, you got Perry and Winfrey four, in this class. Star. He will be a four star by the time the cycle is over. With I mean, that's something that Gabe Brooks and I have talked about. We're kind of pushing and yeah, but but you know, d- 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 I, I, forget the forget the rankings for just yeah, a second. Yeah, I know, but that's what people are looking at. That's what I, I'm saying. Like they're like, well, he's a three star. We we want this. Well, and see, that's the part. That, that's the part that I want to get across about his about film the evaluation, is amazing, people. That's what you've got to understand. His film is awesome. But the evaluation, right? Because yes. the evaluation leads to star rankings, which leads to people being able to easily consume how good we think this kid is, right? Yes. And that's yes. the reason start to fight for star rankings because you don't want to be the person at the end going, yo, man. What the hell would Josh Jacobs be in a three star? That dude was drafted in the first round of the NFL. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's the reason that Brandon's up in a tizzy about this, because he feels in his heart of hearts that a 16, 17 year old kid is gonna get drafted in the first round when he's 22, and we're gonna be made into laughing stock. And I keep going, 
It happens every year. I don't care. It does. I just like being able to say out loud, hey, I know this kid's good, which is why I would talk about it at length, and, and thanks for the shout-out, on my show. They can play. Like, for instance, you and I both, right? And it, we love Brendan Presley. We love him. Yes. He's yes. good. And it's like, so hey, good. hey, hey, man, that dude's five foot eight. Have you seen Brendan Presley play football? Because if you had, you wouldn't be talking to us about his height. And that's what we mean by evaluation. If they've seen SportsCenter. Well, but uh, that's what we're talking about with evaluations. We've seen these kids, right? We're at team camps. We're at games. Like, I had this interview on the channel and on on the show with Brendan Presley talking about that catch that you're talking about. But also, Jordan Reagan out there at corner, six foot two corner. Going yes, to Oklahoma State, so too. so long. He's so good. I'm so shocked that OU hasn't even given him the time of day. I really am. He is one of my tops as far as underrated guys. So when yep. people ask, how do you do this or why do you do it? Show up to stuff. Do stuff. That's it. I mean, not not to give anybody some free pub here, but, I mean, Brandon and I came up independently of each other doing it how we know how to do it at, at places that you all know about. And we were, you know, if that's what you want to do, go do it. Nobody's stopping you. And the same person who was yelling about the champion barbecue and eyes, was that not you and I as kids, man? You yep. and I just going, man, these people don't know what they're talking about. And then we got into uh, the business, yeah. right? Because it's, we were like, we, we can yeah. do it. No, but but that's the thing. That, I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody it's hard or easy. I'm just going to say we got started doing it that way, and we just kept busting. That's what it is. It's showing up to work every day. It's hustle every day. That's all. And I want to give the kids their due. But I also don't want to argue about whether or not Ethan Downs is this good or that good. I know he's just good, right? Oh yeah, he's really good. He's he's probably one of he's. I I do have. I mean, everybody knows I'm, I have a little bias in it just because of the background there. But it's it's the uh, I, yeah. It's you and I both know he can ball. the The other the other thing is is like we were just saying is it basically the barbecue is just time of worship. I mean, it's just like basically they just. They just get in there and hang out. Fe- fe- fellow, fellowship. Fe- fellowship. fellowship. Not worship. Fellowship. Not worship. Fellowship. Turn your hymnals to page 182. Good <laughs> grief. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Who's leading, who's leading in the choir? Right. Hey, Annie Hanson's got a solo of Amazing Grace. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, farmer's yeah. daughter from Kansas. Don't Don't play. I bet I guarantee you she probably can too. So, um, no, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is it's fun for everybody. Uh, Trayvon Ford said it was the funnest and funniest visit that he's ever been on. See, and, and I got a similar quote from Brendan uh, Brendan Walker. He said, uh, "Loved it so much, by far the funnest thing I've done on any type of visit." And that felt like what most people had to say, right? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it's for. And, and basically, they wanted to show everybody, like, look, you're going to come here and you're going to work your butt off. And it's going to be hard. But we also have fun. And we want it to be a family atmosphere. And this is us showing you. This is what we're like when we're not working. Like, this, Riley, my, my door is always open. I mean, he said that. My door is always open for my players. And you can tell he means it. And it seemingly comes off sincere to the parents and the, the recruits and how he goes about things. They even made, like, the tour of the the university a scavenger hunt, and that is how they got the tour of the facilities and stuff. And Brennan, speaking of Brennan Walker, said that was so cool. No. 
that they kind of twisted that. I, I, man, I'm glad he thought it was cool because I would have think Lincoln Riley's making me do work at a thing that I didn't want to do work for. Like, you, you, <laughs> you just put work in front of me. Uh, don't give me no orienteering map. Just tell me where the stuff is. I'll go see it. You ain't got to make me no sca- Nah, uh-uh. No, I would have vetoed that. I think they, they I think uh, it, it was like a, they, they had teams and stuff, and I think it was a competition. Obviously, uh, I think they tried to make it fun. A lot of people seem to have enjoyed it. That I mean, Clayton Smith really enjoyed it. Um, so did Kendrick Blackshire. It seemed like everybody in Kendrick Blackshire had been through it before. I thought it was funny watching him um, just completely obliterate Nate Anderson on Twitter. Yeah, that was well. And blindside. that because um, he knew it was coming because he's been there twice. So let's talk about him for just a second because we're talking about rankings and we're talking about where kids fall. That's a that's a really great example of a kid that we all think looks yeah. the part, and his film says he hasn't yet learned how to use his physical stature to his you know great benefit. But like that's a dude that you would think would be ranked as highly as Justin Flo is in the twenty twenty class, and yet he's not even in the top one hundred. So like, what are people seeing? Like that's that was the other thing that I was nobody's yelling at about Kendrick Blackshear, right? Yeah, I kind of. He was one of the other ones I kind of was like, I don't get it. But at the same time, you kind of can't. Like, I don't know that laterally he is, you know, the the best. But that doesn't matter because he, he, he's got a great grasp of the game mentally. He's obviously physically gifted with his running ability. Um, I think he is going to move back up in the rankings as – I think it – I don't think he was used properly. He was obviously on a not-so-hot team uh, at Mesquite Horn, right? So he's now at, was he at Duncanville, right? So And they just got done playing for the state title and lost to North Shore last year. I think that they're going to uh, use him in a different way that's going to accentuate his strengths more, and therefore he's probably going to move up back in the rankings. And I think that was mainly the issue there. I think I don't. And when I say sideline to sideline, I think he can move sideline to sideline well. I think just in the way that he was used in Mesquite Horn's defense didn't fit his skill set. He is a physical. He's he's more. He's like a Kenneth Murray. He's more of a bruiser, kind of get in the gap, make the tackle, uh, fight through blocks type guy. And they just kind of played him out in space and kind of left him there in no man's land quite a bit. And I don't think that really fit him. He is, and like I said, he's a he's a gap filler. He's he's okay in coverage. I think he can be stronger in that aspect, but he needs taught. And I think at Duncanville, he's going to get taught. And I think you're going to see him progress further. And I think anybody that watches this film probably sees the exact same thing. I also wanted to have a deeper discussion because that was really good. Thank you um, about what we expect to come in preseason camp, right? And I think this is a good place to do this as we're about the halfway point of where our usual podcast length is. Yeah. But with camp starting, I, I love this because let me let me plot this out. The rankings were dropped on the penultimate day of the quiet period, all right? The dead period begins officially on August 1. July 31st, my birthday, early happy birthday to me, is the last day that you can actually have contact with recruits on campus. That's the quiet period. Mm-hmm. Now, during the dead period, there's no contact on or off campus 
of in-person contact of any kind, no evaluations, whatever, because everybody's getting ready for football. And when, that's, when is all the, when is, when is, when can they start coming to practices? The players come to practice after September. Oh, you're talking about no, that's the evaluation period. Contact period isn't for man. Contact period isn't for months, dog. Wait, what? So no, no, no. I'm saying like. When can players, recruits, start coming to like fall practices? Usually they can come and watch fall practices. Not during August. Not during Whoa, August. Oh, they changed it up big time. No, nope, not during August. That's a big change, man. Because the, the calendar is such. Let me, let me get this right. Okay, so the can dead you, period is August 1st through the 31st, right? And, and then you can start coming for uh, visits. Like if your game is on September yeah, yeah, yeah. 1, right? You uh, take official. You got a 48-hour uh you got a 48-hour window. But officially, the evaluation period is September 1 through November 30th, right? And during those months, the September, October, November, uh, it's at the discretion of the institution authorized. Off-campus recruiters shall not visit a prospective student-athlete's educational institution or more uh, than one calendar day during this period, right? And then your six in-person off-campus visits, those are contact period, and that's in December. So... When you talk about practice, you're talking about coming on an official. No, like, no, I'm saying like, yeah, no, I'm saying like, used to. I mean, even up to last year, during fall camp, you would have kids show up to practice. Not, I, I, okay, let me, let me, let me get this clear. That's crazy. On on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you'd have dudes showing up to practice. Yeah, you'd have recruits showing up like just to watch. Oh, you practice? Yeah, I think on unofficial visits. I think, mm, oh, unofficial visits. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, let me go check that out. That? No, let me let me go check that out. Let me go check that out because that might not have changed. I'm really referring to what coaches can do and what coaches can't do. I'm not okay. referring to what recruits can do Players. and what recruits can't say, do. Man, because dang, the recruiting calendar is more is made more to protect prospective student athletes. But I also like the idea of the dead period because if you cannot have contact in person uh, on campus or in person off campus that's when Lincoln Riley and the staff usually gets to do something right so like I kind of wonder sometimes if Annie Hansen gets, is, is not unlike you and me and that we work every day yeah and I and I look at these periods I'm like okay if she's gonna take a vacation it would nope uh -huh. can't meet the Sooners day is August 2nd so yeah. she's so um executive director yeah, so of like, football recruiting they would bring in like remember Cobb came Blast from the past came and committed on Meet the Players. Is it 2016, 2015? I, man, I and that was kind of I don't remember if there was a violation in that because it's Meet the Sooners Day, right? But it's also one of those things yeah. where I mean, let's let's keep it 100. We've seen coaches get dinged for less on Twitter. Oh my God, yeah, I'm sure Manning's going to for saying. Thanks for the recruits for showing up. For and tweeting a photo of him and Dennis Simmons having a good time. I just yeah. okay, and but I'm, I was really referring to not. I was trying. I I wasn't gonna touch that one, but I was gonna bring up like Jeremy Pruitt saying congratulations to his uh, high school as alum as an alumnus. I think they won like a state basketball title. Yeah, is that illegal? It, yeah, he got a violation for that. And wow. like Gino Ariema taking a phone call to Monet Davis when. She won the Little League World Series because you know she wanted to play UConn basketball at the time. I think she even committed to Hofstra to play softball or something. But I was just like, "Yo, we're real tight on this kind of stuff." So I'm always interested from the aspect of coaches and not from the aspect of players. Now I need to do a little bit more research on that because 
I've been referring to the dead period and quiet period, uh, even in stories, because yeah. I want people to know. And I want everybody to, to see how the different calendars line up. That's why I was bringing it into this conversation as That's we something. I'm head gonna, into I'm gonna pieces ask of some people. And see what see what answers. No, I it's get. it's it's out. I mean, yeah, by all means, ask people. But it's also out there. Like it's it's in the handbooks. It's it's in the materials. Like if you're looking for these answers, they're there. Um, and I'm not resting talking to you, Brandon. I'm just talking to people who are listening to the podcast. Um, and I'm always trying to help people who are trying to just become better fans. Be like, hey, because what usually happens is somebody will tell us. They'll tell us when somebody recruited or uh, visited or went, didn't visit, but. But about the rules, who cares, right? I'm like, yo, man, you got to care about the rules too. It's like, hey, Absolutely. I got this photo of so-and-so having a talk with Bill Biedenboe. Thought you might want it. Like, hey, man. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> it's like, can't touch it, dude. Can't touch it. Won't touch Don't it. Don't even send it to me. Right. Don't want it on my phone. You know, it's like. Or, or uh, yeah, we. That's, that's an entirely different train of thought. Uh, preseason yeah. camp. So a couple things that I'm looking forward to okay. is just hearing how training camp is going for the defensive back group because yeah. it's it's a it's a show. And by show I mean the word we can't say in that defensive backfield. Because outside of Trey Brown, who are the starters? Like I know who I think is gonna start. Yeah. But but the fact of the matter is we're going two years now. Without having a definitive approach to who the hell the safeties are. And you play with three of them. So, like, what the hell, man? Yeah, there's been, like, questions if Buki's moved to corner. I think that's something that... I really want that to happen. I don't, I, I've, I've, been, I, I've been screaming at the top of my lungs for that. But I don't know that he's going to because they like height. To hell with your height! I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know. Me, let me stop. I know. I, Here we go. Here okay. we go. I hit the nerve. I just, I'm the one to hit the nerve this time. I'm step back. I'm going to let you go. I'm a, go short, I'm a short man who knows what I am capable of and what I'm not capable of. And I also watched a short man named Brendan Radley Hiles earn five-star status playing corner. And if you watched film, if you watched the All-America game, you know if the ball's in the air and it's down the sideline, put Buki on the dude. Probably yep. ain't going to catch that pass, okay? I, I also think that if you're playing a guy at nickel, he has to be your best space defensive back. And a guy who was raised as the sideline as your best friend does not usually play that position well. No, nah, that'd be Patrick Fields in my good, opinion. Good God, yes. I mean, but even then, I think we both agree Pat Fields is going to be starting at safety somewhere. Yeah, probably free. But yeah. but that's the question, though, is because Justin Broyles also plays free. I think, well, I think DT, I think DTY is going to be here yeah, strong. Not if, he, not if he can't keep the lid on the friggin' D. Look. Jeremiah Cradell is going to have a lot to say about this. I think Jamal Morris is the only guy that I'm comfortable saying is going to be getting significant run, if not starting at uh, strong safety. Yeah. No, I think I think Cradell has a has a chance to play corner though too. I think he's a he's a dude. Guy you just got so many corners. That and that's kind yeah, of my thing was yeah, that's, like that's the problem. There. You yeah, move exactly. corners to safety because you suck so much there. Like remember Jordan Parker, Justin Broyles, those dudes were all moved to safety. Yeah. You know now Parker's yeah, hasn't been. Jordan Parker looks good. Yeah, well, let, let, let's see if he. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. Let's see if he breaks something during camp. Yeah, that's. I, I've been burned by picking Jordan Parker, man. Like I, I know it's not his fault that he gets hurt, but come on, like 
wrap the kid in bubble wrap or something. Uh, he's 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 or Starlin Baldwin. Guy. My God, I would love to see that dude just have an opportunity. Yeah. He's kind of the he's kind of the outlier there, right? Because he's been hurt. Yeah, and I think he's he's also a guy that is, was known as an explosive, physical player coming out of high school that could cover well in space. Um, he's also long. I mean, he's only five eleven, six foot, but he's got really long arms. He's he's able to jam up on people because of his length. Um, I think he he kind of he intrigues me. I want to see how he comes back. Obviously. From these injuries, I would love for him to really surge and become the player that everybody thought he was going to be out of high school um, because he had some really good offers from programs that know defensive backs. And I think ultimately you would you want a player like that. He's got a lot of swag to him too, a lot of confidence, um, something that that defensive backfield needs. They need a leader, and I think – Patrick Fields is probably going to be that leader and Trey Brown, but who are going to be the other guys that really step up and become kind of not so much the vocal leader, but the guys that play off of those two um, and, and help other people in, in the defense like Kenneth Murray kind of lead the way um, with their play. Who are going to be those guys? Cause I think you nailed it on the head. I think Jamal Morris has that potential. I think, uh, Washington has that potential. I think, like you said, Cradell. Uh, I, I, I actually believe Trey Norwood has a chance to. Ooh, I am, I am all but closing the book on Trey Norwood. So that's just interesting. Yeah, no, because I want to see him in this scheme, not the scheme that he was in, because we haven't got to see that yet. Really, I want to see how he is in this scheme. Playing what BD. though? Playing, he's playing speed, what? He's, uh, he's fast. Playing more physical. No, no, no. What position? Reckless. What position? Because like he played safety last year to end the season. He was actually a really good safety. Now he's a third safety. And and by the way, Brandon, if I put you back there with the bad foot playing third safety, you better be good. You ain't got that yeah, much to cover, true. dog. That's true. I, I guess I don't know, man. And he he was decent against Texas. Well, he was good against Texas, obviously. But like you said, he didn't have to cover much space. He was. Basically, just playing that that zone the whole time. But the fact of the matter is, is he's fast. I just want to see what he does in a pin your ears back type of scheme. Okay, let's 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 do this and, and take your time writing this down because I'll go first, so you have some time. But we're going to pick the five defensive backs we expect to start against Houston. Ooh, yeah. This is ahead of camp, and this is this is July thirtieth, right? Because I just, I it's a fun exercise, right? And I think us doing that thing where we fence it drives people crazy. And as a person who says on his show, build an argument, have an opinion, I I think we should kind of we should do that, especially as dudes who follow it so closely. Because I find myself basically saying the same things over and over again, just in a different format to people who just you know they checked out of football for the last four or five months because they got other jobs. You and I, we live this stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and say Trey Brown, Parnell Motley. Those are your two starting corners. I think that those could change throughout the middle of the season like everything does, but I think those two guys are going to show that they have the experience playing at this level. They have significant amount of experience going up against the ones on the offense, and that's got a lot to do with it. So if you know anything about tendencies and you know anything about the – Scheme that Riley wants to run, that you're going to have a 
advantage on dudes that are just getting here. That's just the way that it is. This is one of the reasons people pick Drew Brown as opposed to Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State. I think the three safeties, nickel, free, and strong, is where it gets interesting. Nickel, I think, I think they're going to try to leave Buki there, and they're going to try to make him that dude because Pat Fields is needed elsewhere. I see Pat Fields as your free. I think you can keep the lid on the defense. I also think that you can trust him to make an intelligent play, to make an intelligent move, to not get beat where he's not supposed to get beat, to not necessarily be spectacular, but also just be steady. And I think Grinch values steady. He values steady and effort. And then at the strong safety position, I got Jamal Morris because I think, yeah, Chance Sylvie could get the job. I just don't trust him to win it. I don't trust Justin Boyles to win it and keep it. I don't know what the hell to expect out of Jordan Parker, if anything at all. And I watched DeLaren Turner yell, get burned, more than I watched him make a play. I don't care that you can hit people in practice. Hatari Bird could hit people in practice. He was garbage when we needed him to play well. You know, like, I just, I want guys back there that know the job and who, at the very least, are going to keep things in front of them because it's one thing to be bad. It's another thing to be the worst. Like, I was doing this take today about Oklahoma State football because, I got to talk to Sean Gleason and Jim Knowles, offense coordinator, defensive coordinator, respectively, at Oklahoma State. And Knowles was talking about, hey, look, we led the league or in sacks, and we were fifth in the nation in sacks, but it doesn't matter because we couldn't keep people in front of us. We got beat on explosive plays all the time, and I'm going, yeah, because your safety play was that bad, so all you really could do was just try to send six or seven, and you'd get 453 yards put up on you a game and you people would pass for 267 like look man at the end of the day the job is just keep things in front of you because that's what iowa state does well right that's what tcu does well so the five guys i expect to be playing defensive back are the guys that can keep things in front of them while the kenneth murray juniors the deshaun whites the ronnie perkins the neville gallimores those guys get to pin their ears back in this one gap scheme and go kill people okay um I am going to obviously go with, because uh, I like everything you just said. I mean, I'm going to differ a little bit, and I'm going to have a shocker here for some people um, as far as who I think is going to play uh, certain positions here. Stop teasing and start talking. I know. I'm, I'm just kind of going here. Um, I got Trey Brown, obviously, corner. Pat Fields, a free safety. My nickel... I'm with you. I'm going to go Buki, but I think they're going to rotate Buki and Trey Norwood there quite a bit. Um, my other corner, my other corner, here it is. Because I've heard so much about him this offseason, and he kind of fits everything that, uh, that uh, Grinch is looking for as far as physicality, speed, everything. I'm going to say Jaden Davis is going to start as a true freshman at the other corner. And then as far as the strong safety, I'm going to go with you. Uh, and I'm going to say it's going to be either Jamal Morris or Chance Sylvie. Um, and I'm going to pick Chance Sylvie to start the season. But I'm not going to be shocked if Jamal Morris overtakes him by Texas. How about that? Yeah. No, I could – I. Your faith in Trey Norwood is endearing, if not, I think, misguided. But that's your take, and I understand Do you want to know it. why? Because, again, I, and I know you hate hearing this, 
but I keep going back to this, this, the things that I've heard them say about length. And for some odd reason, no matter how good Buki is, and I think he could be a really good nickel just because that I don't think that I think he's a better corner than he is a nickel. But I think being that if they start the season with him playing there and just let him do that and not move him around like they did last year and focus and learn the position, he can be really good at it. But at the same time, I think the length and the fact that Trangle Warwood is a 4-3 guy in their quote-quote speed D, I think the measurables are going to be in their head all the time. You're right. You're right. I do hate that. I look. I know I, you hate it. I hate it too because I just, I'm with you on it. I, I agree with you. I man, but if you can play, you can play. From? Yeah, and this is this gets back into you know circling back around to rankings talk. You know, you look you look Absolutely. at a guy. For instance, the the book on Keely Ringo is that he's going to be an outstanding corner because he's enormous. And the more I watch the dude's tape, the more I'm changing my opinion. And it's. Thank you. No, even so, like he moves, he moves like an inside linebacker. He, he he's not, or not even an inside linebacker, an outside linebacker. His yeah. his hips don't don't open very well. He doesn't get the ball thrown at him a whole lot, so you don't really know. And he's bigger than anybody else he's playing up against at wide receiver, which is great in high school, but in college, you're gonna have to develop. You're gonna have to actually learn to play with technique. Now, the reason that you give him that ranking is because he's enormous. Right, yeah. it's a, and that was why I was going. If guys really are into the physical traits of a of a football player, Kendrick Blackshear would be a top fifty player. Just, just period. Like just, just to no, look at true. him in okay. pads yeah. and to see him move around out there, you'd say the same thing. So I, I push back against it because some guys can just play football. I mean, we're talking about Danny Friggin Etlin playing wide receiver for the Patriots. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, in. in if anybody is into a guy could just play football, it's Belichick, right? He had Troy Brown going both ways. You know, he made a quarterback into one of the best slot receivers in the game last year and a Super Bowl MVP. You know, it's just yeah. If he's a football player, he's a football player. And I don't necessarily think that in college you have the opportunities to just say, you know what, we're gonna go out and recruit everybody. No, you gotta be really good at evaluation, which is another thing that I found interesting because Jim Knowles actually hit this in a way that I don't think a lot of coaches are willing to be this vulnerable, so I give him kudos for this. He would say, high school football is geared toward offenses, and the best athletes play offensive football because you can outscore people. But those same kids that play offensive football, I need to recruit to play linebacker. And what is more difficult than finding a linebacker in the college game today because you need that dude to be able to take on 330-pound offensive tackles and then run with the best athlete on the field. So in that thinking... How, what do you do? You do what Gary Patterson does. You get better at evaluating. You get better at, at choosing dudes that fit your scheme and what you do well. You convince Ty Summers, yeah. who's committed to Rice to play quarterback, to come play linebacker. Which, by the way, ain't easy. I mean, and he'll lose that fight to kids even on his roster. My favorite is Sewu Alanalua, who he wanted to play linebacker. And that kid just said straight yeah. up, I'm a running back. But to look at him yeah. is also to see a dude that was enormous. Anyway. No, I'm, I agree with everything you just said. Um... I, I I hate the but it's it goes back to and, and Gabe Brooks was kind of kind of told me he said look baseball moved to the analytics basketball moved to the whole analytics side football is trending in that way and and every year it gets more and more 
with the analytics, and that's kind of where they're going with evals now. It's a lot of analytics are thrown in it, which means measurables and stats and all that stuff are going to be thrown into it too. Yeah, but I'm a really. I'm a tracking football guy. Like you, you're familiar with me working with that website, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so I'm I'm there. So I think we're all there with Pro Football Focus, and if you're just using the analytics. Then use the analytics. Don't throw measurables at me, too. Yeah, and I think that's what they. He said this, how he worded it to me was, "Look, analytics are going to be used. Your measurables are going to be used, but and so is how you perform on the field, and all that's going to encompass and kind of be jumbled together and used as kind of as far as rankings goes, your potential and your ceiling. Now." Is that the right way to do it? We really don't know, you know, and and it goes for the same as far as putting somebody out on the field. Um, they use those analytics now. Uh, all the quality control guys are deep into analytics um, as far as does he give up covering the slot on in routes, how much does he give up, how many yards, how many breakups, you know, all that bull crap that they throw in there stats and I get it and I'm sure it works, but does it also hinder a kid that's just a plain football player and makes plays because you've got guys like, like what would that have done to Zach Sanchez? Cause he gave up a lot of stuff, but he made a lot of huge plays that won Oklahoma, a lot of football games too. I don't know that they won uh, as many as they lost. And that's where the analytics come in, which is what does his replacement do? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, what would that have done to it? What? No, what, what, no. I'm saying like from an analytics standpoint, the question to ask is a player of let's call it average value. Would he be worth more or less given the same opportunities as Zach Sanchez? And I would say that as a defensive player, as a defensive coordinator, I want guys that are not going to give up big plays more than I want guys that are going to go make plays. Because if I stop you on third and fourth down because I didn't give up a play, we get the ball back. But if you shoot the gap or you try to jump a route and you miss, we probably got hit for six. And I can't make up six. I can't do that. But you get more opportunities to go get the ball. you know. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. I think that recruiting playmakers at defensive positions – doesn't really pay off as much as we think. I think you need steady more than you need explosion because for every sack that Eric Stryker was able to give up, think about the 2014 TCU game where, yeah. where Gary Patterson just said, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to spread out the splits. So now Eric yep. Stryker is useless because he does one thing really well. Go get the quarterback off the edge. He yeah, can't he cover. Space. Yeah, yep. he can't cover. He's, he, he's not out there playing hooks and curls. And when you asked him to do that kind of stuff, he struggled, which is another reason why he didn't translate to the NFL because he only had the one thing, whereas you really do have to be able to drop at least 12 yards deep and make a play. Right. I'm saying that as good as Zach Sanchez was at getting the ball, I would really love to see the numbers on how many uh, plays over 20 yards he was responsible for giving up, and I'll bet it was a good sight more than the average cornerback. Uh, I guess the, the, other, the other thing that... We just kind of named, you know, who we thought would be the starting five. Right. And kind of whatever. Who do you see as the rushbacker? And how do you see the depth at linebacker playing out this year? Because I think that's going to be something that people are watching. Because we, we heard all during Big 12, you know, 
Kenneth Murray talked up Levi Draper. He talked up uh, Deshaun White. It's more of a question of who didn't he talk up. Exactly. So how how do I I base my information and my my analysis on stuff that we can't see with our own eyes on sources that we trust, right? And right. every everything that I trust tells me Kenneth Murray Jr. starting at inside linebacker, providing he doesn't Correct. get injured, right? Correct. Everything that I also trust means that it is a two-horse race right now between Meade and White, and Draper's got some work to do. That's all. I'm talking about. I'm talking about backup. Yeah, well, uh, backing up White and, and Murray. Yeah. So, so how do you, how do you see that playing out? Do you see do you see Meade going to the wheel to be the backup for White, and then Draper as the number two behind? Uh, being that he's two hundred twenty-five pounds or whatever now, I, I think behind Murray. I, I think because you got the red shirt year with Draper, that makes it a little bit interesting. Because ordinarily, I would say that that guy would be straight up right next to Kenneth Murray Jr. But because everything that I trust is Deshaun White is just the best linebacker of the group, you got to play that dude, right? And you got to play that guy at, yeah. at, at at a position in which he can influence the game, and that's will. Because, quite honestly, you need your will to just be a little bit more athletic than your Mike. And Kenneth Murray Jr. is really good at chasing stuff down, and we'll get to see better, whether or not he gets better at chasing things down in the backfield. But I think you could two-platoon it and be fine. I think that if you have if you have Draper as the backup to the Mike, you're fine. If you have Draper as the backup to the will, you're fine. I think right. it's really a question of how much playing time those four guys get based on, you know, more or less what Kenneth Murray Jr. does. Because if he plays better with White than he does me, there's your answer. If he plays better with Draper than he does anybody else, there's your answer. I think it's really going to be up to him as to his, what his play on the field says. And then at right. rush, rush end, my God, uh, all of y'all keep telling me how much Jalen Redman is good. And yeah, when he got to play, he was good. But I still contend he ain't healthy. Even as you tell me he's healthy, the fact that something could go wrong, and they're saying, "Hey, RJ, people blow out ACLs all the time." Yeah, well, they don't. They don't. They don't. Uh, fa- death is not on the table for a blown out ACL. Okay. Okay. Unless a blood clot happens after surgery, but yeah, on the field, dying playing football, out. Don't want it. Do not want it. Period. Nah, I'm not taking chances with it. I don't want to do it. I'm, I know that they're taking every precaution necessary. So you going Mark Jackson, huh? I have to. Okay. I have to. I'll I mean, still go Jalen Redmond as a starter because I think he's fully healthy. Okay, cool, right? But I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to be mad, right? I mean, there's no, some, there's yeah, some, there's some positions right. on the no, field where I would be, I, like, I'm legitimately mad at Buki having to play nickel again, right? But I'm not going to be mad if Jalen Redmond is the dude that starts and just plays lights out because he would have deserved it. Yeah, you're kind of hoping you're wrong. Basically. Right, right, right. But I'm saying if I, if as a football dude, I got to go with Mark Jackson right now, and I got to let Uwebu and Wete figure out. Uwebu, uh, he he is getting talked to everybody. Think that guy is going to be a superstar. Well, I mean, we saw him. We yeah. saw him. Yeah, he's a bad dude. No, we saw we we saw him. You know, uh, I also just I like Wete's head. Like I like his head. Yeah, football. he's smart. He just weighs two eleven. That's the problem. Well, I mean, and and. and Quite honestly, uh, if he keeps playing outside linebacker, that'll change. I mean, if if Draper can get up to 245 in three years, you know, uh, is it four years? He's Richard Jr., Richard Sophomore, I forget. 
So what you're talking about. He was 220 when he came in. He got yeah, sick. Right. So we're talking about. a bunch of weight and got injured and lost more weight. So, yeah, it took him a bit to get back. But we're, but we're also talking about a difference in nine pounds, right? So if Wete weighed, what, 234 as a redshirt sophomore, I would not be unhappy with that from a size standpoint playing outside line. No, that's probably right. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, Mark Jackson's like 225, you know, and he's shorter. And yeah, which no, means he's a, bit, he's a bit stockier. So Wete's got a little bit more to put to his frame. But no, Wete, I, go ahead. Wete's kind of like uh, Gums was as far as size and, and, and speed. and Who, by the way, got was, big. Oh, yeah. He got huge. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, hey, we're running out of time here. Uh, parting shots before we got to go. Um, I just kind of think that everybody, there's a guy on Twitter that's trying to tell everybody that OU is going to be this front dominant team and they're not going to go no huddle and he's picking Oklahoma to lose three games uh lose twice to Texas when the season one and it's you know it's all the stupid preseason talk that I hate I hate I hate I hate because it's just a lot of what ifs hands or butts and we all know how that all turns out usually um but I have a funny feeling that this season is going to be better than people think and I think this is the one year. I'm predicting it right now. This is the year that Oklahoma actually wins playoff. I'm not predicting win a national title. I'm predicting they actually win a playoff game this year. That's that's my prediction. That's my parting shot. I want people to think about it. And I will touch on this next time we get to the podcast. I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, that is Brandon Drum, lead recruiting analyst and team reporter at OUinsider.com. I'm RJ Young, staff writer video columnist, uh, do everything. Do it all, man. Right do it all. For, for, for OUinsider.com, our weekly plea, our annual plea, I say annual plea, our uh, every podcast plea, rate and review the podcast. Uh, we, I, As an addendum to all of this, my fault uh, with the upload last week, we were changing our hosting provider. Uh, we are using a different one. We got those kinks worked out. Brandon and I had some Issues just uh, getting in contact with 247, but they were really helpful. We got it worked out. We want to thank everybody, too, though, because we still almost hit 5K. So right, and cool. and we're hoping that the numbers just get bigger as we continue to do this. Promise to do more podcasts during the season, probably a, a few more during uh, preseason camp than we normally might do. But, yeah, bear with us. The podcast is growing. That is, that's the news, right? We're having growing pains, and that's this is part of it. Yeah, it is getting uh, bigger and better, and I think during the season you're going to like the fact that we're going to do some post-game stuff. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. So I think everybody will like it. All right, that is it for us. Deuces. Deuces.